Hey everyone, welcome back to Game Men Going Deeper. I am Michael Diorio. Here we have Matt, Callan, and Reno. And today, guys, we want to talk about dating. Uh, we want to share some of our good, bad, and ugly experiences with dating. And uh, hopefully, we can get a good conversation going for our next Zoom hangout. So, uh, why don't we start with Matt, since this was your amazing idea to get into this topic? Tell us some Gosh. of your experiences with dating. Oh God. Okay. Well, I just recently put myself back on the dating market after being off for almost two years. And, um, I had a really interesting experience the other night and, um, I went to go meet a guy for a date and he didn't show up <gasps> and I was like, what the hell? So totally you got, got ghosted. ghosted. I totally got ghosted. And uh, I'm here. Just, just us. Oh, I've wow. been ghosted. I've been ghosted. Yeah. I've been mosted. Do you guys know what mosted is? Mosted is when they go above and beyond and show you, oh, I'm in love with you. I want you. I want to be with you. All this, yeah. and then they cut it off. Like, oh no, sorry, you're not the one I thought. Okay, bye. Like wow. just right. as you start to fall for them, it's wild. Anyway, sorry. Go, That's go, like go for it. Almost. It's so gross. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so we were just chatting like like very lightly on Tinder and then we were going to meet and go for a walk and, and it was a no-show. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of at an interesting stage in dating right now and I think um, I'm trying to find my truth around it all and kind of figuring out what it's about. And I think one of the main reasons why, why, why I wanted to bring this vision forward with the GMB was because I was struggling in this area um, in dating and finding connections. And a lot of gay men were just seeking out sex and they didn't have a lot of capacity for intimacy and vulnerability and authenticity and these things that I was really, really digging deep within myself to cultivate. And I kind of have come to the conclusion that the people that we're attract or the people that I'm attracting are the people that I need in order to grow and evolve. And up to this point, I've needed avoidant men to evolve. All my boyfriends um, have been avoided. I, I, I'm super drawn to avoidant men. And I feel like when, if I'm in a room and there's 30 men and 29 of them are checking me out and one of them isn't, I will be drawn to the guy that's not checking me out. And uh, it's so, so strange. And I know, I know where this comes from. I, I, um, with, it comes from the relationship with my father and basically um, always seeking validation, always needing approval and never getting it. And then what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to recreate these experiences with a different outcome, with an outcome in my favor. And it's never going to work, right? But what I've been learning in this process is how to cultivate worth, how to cultivate a sense of deep sense of self, how to hold space for myself. And um, now I'm starting to attract guys who have more capacity for um, these deeper things. But so I've come to the conclusion that what's happening now is the universe is kind of weeding these people out for me. And I think the more bold and large and bright I let my light shine, the more I intimidate people and specifically um, dating potential people because they might they might see something in me that feels very threatening to them um, and I think when when people aren't in their wholeness and they see someone who is there they don't want to go there right so I kind of chum it up as that and I, I'm I'm actually really really good at handling rejection now because of that philosophy because the universe is just really bringing me uh, aligned to what I'm meant to be aligned to so um, so yeah to, to say the least dating has been challenging for me very challenging for me and um, yeah, because I think 
not a lot of gay men seem to be aligned to the, the same values that I have around connection and um, at least maybe not the ones I'm attracting. So um, yeah. And then something I'm also learning about myself too, is that I'm, um, I'm demisexual. Do you guys know what that means? No, not many people do, but it's basically where you require emotional connection to have a sexual, to be sexually turned on never been this way and just in the last two three years i've like morphed into a demisexual and um i didn't know there was a term for it this is all new to me kind of learning that but there's different levels like it's a continuum of being demisexual where some people can still be turned on by somebody physically but they require emotional connection to be turned on sexually and um so that also kind of limits the pool because only so many men in the dating pool are willing to allow themselves to be seen and connected to. So I just, I just, it's just been a bit of a struggle for me to be honest dating. And, uh, but I've one of, one of the good things that's come out of dating is actually a lot of my, my gay male friends came from first dates, um, meet on Tinder and we have a date and there's no, um, like sexual chemistry, but there's, um, platonic chemistry. And, and so it's been really cool that way. So, Dating for me is, is, is quite a fun experience. I, I enjoy it. I like getting to know people. Um, and maybe what I'm doing now is I'm bringing a bit more of a lighter version of Matt into my dates because of before I would be like, you know, have to have my checklist checked off. If you didn't meet every single checklist, it's like, no, he's not the great guy. And I would just kind of write him off. But I think now I'm allowing people to check off the checklist um, organically maybe. And, and then also if they don't meet the checklist, why can't I just have fun? Right. And, and, and learn about them and allow them to, to teach me things about myself and not have to make them uh, my everything. So yeah, that's kind of been my, my flavor of experiences in the last little bit. Wow. That's so cool. I never heard of the demisexual thing, but like, yeah. I guess maybe that's just how I've been the whole time. Cause I've had a different experience where I've always been emotionally available and I, regardless whether the other person can fully reciprocate that I bring that to the table so I know I'm going to be open and having a great time and through that I almost make it comfortable enough for them to have a good time because I'm who I am I'm fully in my presence I'm fully in myself so I'm not worried about their stuff because it's like okay well here's mine and you can either come to the party or not but we're still going to have a good time regardless well I'm going to have a good time regardless whether or not that's going on I've even had a guy like get up and be like, I have to leave. And like, right about as we're about to have sex, because he's like, you're too, like, you're here. Like, this is too much for me. And I was like, what's too much? And he's like, I just came over here for like a good fuck and like a good time. And this is like, you're really present and you're just, this is really emotionally overwhelming for me. And I was just like, okay, I'm sorry. But then most of the time it was like the other flip side of it where it was just like, whoa, like this was, this was great. This, I've never done this before. And I was like, that's because I'm emotionally available. Um, And then in regards to dating, I love, I never dated a lot growing up. I, I, I had a boyfriend and then I just wouldn't be interested because I, I'm pretty intuitive in the sense that I know who's going to be a match and who's not. And I like the adventure of figuring out, okay, well, maybe they're a good friend, maybe not. But as I got older, 
going on dates, I stopped thinking of them as be all end alls, which kind of blocked me from having good dates before. I was like, this has to be all or nothing. And I was like, I couldn't date more than one person because I was like, no, I'm just going to focus on this one person. And I was like putting too much energy into that one person. And like, that's so much pressure to put on one person to be like, be perfect right away for me so that you can be my boyfriend. It's like, no, oh my goddess. No, 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 no. So now dating, I turned it into something fun and enjoyable. And I look at it from a different point of view of like, cool, I'm gonna go meet somebody new. I don't look at it as like, we're gonna have a date. I look at it as like, cool, I'm gonna go meet somebody new and I'm gonna like find out stuff about them. And if there's stuff there that we get on with, awesome. If not, then no worries about it. Um, I actually met my roommate, my current roommate. We went on a date back when I was, I had, I had flown from Dubai to Toronto for a holiday for a week. Um, and it was also my birthday to celebrate with friends and stuff. And I went on a date with him during that week and I was like figuring out if I want to move to Toronto or not he's a fantastic guy um but it wasn't there like romantically in that sense but then like fast forward to like a year and some months later and I was looking for a place and he needed a roommate he's like well I already know you're a fantastic person like we had a great day you're a good person it wasn't there that way but that means we know we'll be great roommates and it's been like the best most ideal situation so like you Matt like I've made really good friends from dating but I've also dropped apps and like the best dates and the best relationshipy type things that I've gone through or those experience I've had have been from complete strangers that have not been, well, not complete strangers, but not from dating apps. Like my first boyfriend, I saw at a club way back in the day, over a decade ago, and was like, I'm going to date him. That's my next, that's my first boyfriend. And then being here in Toronto since getting rid of the apps because when I moved here I got rid of everything um the first guy I dated Mark I saw him out uh, in the village and I was just like wow that guy has an energy about him I really want to talk to him not like I need to make this guy my boyfriend but like there's something about him I want to get to know him walked up and was like hey how's it going my name's this and just started chatting was like do you want to get to know each other but because I'd taken that pressure off of like you have to be my be all end all or like I need to be something for you it was just a simple easy conversation if it was there it was there if it wasn't cool move on to the next one dated for a while that was cool figured out okay we're not romantically matched but you know good people and then this other person I also dated I met him at a friend's house at a friend's party before COVID happened and then we went and he was on the dodgeball um, league that I was in. And so then we reconnected again once I wasn't dating the other person. It was like, hey, do you want to go on a date? Sure. And then we dated. But it was all very organic and natural. And I think it's because I had taken a step back and stopped thinking that I need somebody to complete me. I need something to... I need somebody to be there for me. I need all of these things. And I had focused so much and I had done so much work for past years on myself, just being enough for me, that it took that pressure off that other person to be anything for me. And it was just like, if you're a fully, not fully realized, but if you're a realized person who's conscious and who's awake and you've got your stuff going on and I'm the same and we come together and it gets even better, that's awesome. That's what I'm looking for. But that stuff kind of just comes organically and naturally to me now that I've stepped away from like, I need this, I need to go on a date or I need this guy to be something for me because you put all this expectation and pressure on another person 
of course you're going to scare them away because they're like, oh my God, I can't be this for you. I'm just trying to meet a new person and see what happens. So when you take that pressure off, I find that that's been the biggest shift for me in regards to dating. Whether they've worked out or not worked out, the experiences have been much better than when I was like on the apps, trying to date, focusing, like I need to do this, I need to do that. So that's my little two cents about dating recently. I, I'm going to echo, <clears throat> as always, Kellen and I are so similar. Um, I, I echo that sentiment completely. And I will say similar to you, Kellen, actually, you're probably the only other person I know. Uh, I've had four long-term, like two years plus relationships, and all of them I've met organically. Not one of them was online. For all the time I spent on like Grindr, Tinder, Scruff, Hinge, whatever they are, Bumble, um, all of my long-term partners uh, I've met organically. Um, and to go onto your point about um, wanting someone to be what you want them to be and trying to be who you think they want you to be, that, that's, the, that's, that's what makes dating, I think, and so many people will tell me, oh, gay dating is terrible and this and that. And I'm like, well, you're putting too much pressure on A, yourself to show up as who you think they want you to be and then secondly, you're putting pressure on them saying you need to be this, 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 this. And so like, even on just a first date, you're trying to fill all this information on like one guy in like what, an hour, two hours, whatever that may be. And like, if you just show up and put all of that aside and like Callan said, like, I, I agree, like energy, I'll see someone in a room and I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm going to talk to you by the end of this night, whether we become friends or whether we fuck or whether we go on a date, I'm not too fussed but I will find something to connect with them on. And either way, it always ends up being beneficial in some way. So yeah, I think talking to uh, guys who, who have a hard time with dating, you know, they'll, they'll like to blame a lot of things. But when I ask them, okay, well, what are you looking for? And they'll name like 40 things. And I'm like, so you're expecting one person to be all of these things for you. And on the first day, you're basically going to be judging them and interviewing them. <laughs> right? Like it doesn't make for a fun experience. So go in with, you know, I'd like to say no expectations, but that's kind of hard. I, I realize that could be a, a hard ask, but go in with just being yourself and letting the other person show up as they are. And when you give both of you, both, both of you guys that breathing room to just like, okay, like, you know, like, let's just, let's just hang out, be with each other and not have to like interview each other or like impress each other too much. Of course you want to impress them, right? want to wear something cute, get your hair did, whatever. Um, that I think has been the biggest, biggest piece for me. And, and I think my most recent experience dating, I don't think the guy is in the group, but um, <laughs> he had asked me out like, I'm going to say 10 times. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not dating. I'm not dating. Like there's a lot going on in my life. I'm just not able to handle that on top of it. And eventually he just won me over with some very smooth words. And I was like, fine, fuck. I'll go on a date with you. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not looking. This is going to be shitty. I'm stressed. I'm busy, whatever. But I'll just do it because you keep, you keep asking me. I really hope he's not watching this. Um, and so we went on the date. And I was just showed up like, hey, here's who I am. I told you, like, everything that's going on in my life. And we just had the best time because I wasn't expecting anything from him. And I had already in my mind decided this wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> But lo and behold, we're going on our third date this week. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. So that's what happens when you let go of needing someone to be something and letting go of expectations. 
I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting. Like as, as time has progressed, I've noticed, um, it, you said something, Michael, that really stood out to me. And it's like this, you know, this notion of like being oneself when, when we're on a date. And, um, I think because I've become so much more comfortable being myself and being with myself, it's like a lot, it's a lot easier to be myself and be with myself when I'm on a date. And that's been like this, I don't know, this really interesting journey and process for me, I think. But um, I wanted to share something. Uh, so yesterday I was having, this is kind of funny actually, it's so fitting. Yesterday I was having a bit of a moment because um, I'm on this like wild journey in Western Canada right now. And uh, I was out for a walk. I like going for these evening walks along Sunset Beach in Vancouver. And, um, you know, I was just kind of like processing my emotions and, and whatnot, and, you know, what was coming up for me. And uh, I stopped and I was. Uh oh. Uh oh. We can't. He literally stopped. He just froze on us. Oh no. I'm here. Wait, okay, I'm... he's there. Okay. okay sorry. <laughs> Jeez. So anyway, I'm I'm on I'm on one of these apps and um and uh and then I, I continue my walk and I had seen this this really cute like European guy and his friend walk by earlier and we kind of made eyes and we kept walking and you know I thought nothing of it. Well then I see him again later and this time like we really make eyes and I'm feeling kind of funny about it. So you know, I'm I'm sort of sitting along the, the pier playing on my phone and I noticed he walks over to the edge of the pier and sort of leans over the the railing and he keeps looking back at me and I'm like this guy is he's like flirting with me I think there's something happening here so I walk over and uh I start chatting with him I'm like hey how's your how's your evening going you know what what are you up to are you from the area and we get into this conversation and it was so I've always said like I love all things Italian, right? Like the food, the culture, the men, the architecture, like, yeah, right? I know, yeah. So I'm just, I love it all, love it all. Um, and, and so anyway, this guy turns out to be Italian. He's got this like beautiful accent and um, we got into this lovely conversation. He's like asking me, you know, what I do. And I was like, oh, this question. Anyway, I told him, I'm like, well, you know, I'm a life coach among other things. And he's like, no way. He's like, um, he mentioned that he was actually uh, planning to become a life coach himself shortly. And so we just had this incredible, incredible conversation. Like we were talking about like the things that make us weird. And like we, we touched on religion briefly, like we just went there. And I don't even know how long this guy and I were speaking for. Um, he was also very forward which I really appreciate. Italians are very yeah, I, know, I loved it. I was like, this is really sexy. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, he says to me, it's like, yeah, uh, um, can I, can we exchange numbers and, and, and have dinner and, and go for another walk sometime? And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so um, I messaged him after he sent me a voice note saying it was a pleasure to meet me and he's looking forward to getting to know me better. And I was like, of course, of course this would happen, you know, why wouldn't this, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's, 
I wanted to share that because it's it's really interesting to me um, how when I'm not online, like you guys had said, some of the most interesting things seem to happen to me offline. Like it's it's fascinating. I'm still on the apps, but you know, even when I look at um, a couple of my exes, like I met those guys offline, you know, and they're still really good friends of mine. One of them I met in Bali. Um, like it's, it's, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. There's, and, and I'm, I have this really, um, high value on romance. So I love these little moments and I'm feeling really excited about what happened yesterday. And what I noticed is that when I walked away, even though there was this narrative inside of me that was like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that I've been talking about for years. Cause I, I would, I used to say to my friends, like, I'm going to meet this beautiful like Italian European man in this like unlikely way and we're going to end up together and that's going to be it right that was the story and so there was a part of me that was like oh my gosh is this it is this him like this is the moment I've been talking about for years so I mean whether or not it is um it was fun to play in that like um that imagery and that story but to also be able to let it go and just be like you know what there really is magic and romance and beauty in this world in, in, and it shows up in the most unexpected times and unexpected ways. And so that to me feels more exciting to entertain than to hold on to this idea that he might be in some way like the one or something like who knows, maybe. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it definitely showed me how far I've, how far I've come, you know, over the years. Because, you know, there would have been a time back in the day, in my earlier days of dating, where I definitely would have sort of become consumed by the idea of being with this person and how um, complete my life is going to be as a result of that, you know, and that's just not the case anymore. Um, and then, and the other thing I wanted to say related to what Matt was saying before is like um, I can totally relate to uh, this interest and and pursuit of like the one person in the room who's like not interested in me I always called it like forbidden fruit syndrome where like it's like oh that guy's like straight but I'm sort of getting a vibe I'm gonna go for him or like you know this guy's not really giving me a lot of attention so like he's the one guy in the room that I'm interested in winning over and and you know and 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 maybe even seducing in some capacity or like or dating or or what have you and um it still comes up from time to time like hmm a challenge okay let's do it right uh but I also recognize like you that it's kind of this um like dad was not present and you know and emotionally available and so um you know maybe this will heal that in some way or you know it's it's sort of that thing um and i've i've noticed that change uh since and it's it's um it's really lovely and it's also fun to just kind of notice it when it does come up like oh there's that thing again i know i'm really feeling this guy you know um because he probably checks off all all the all the the boxes for like my wounded self you know yes. yeah yeah, yeah. Rejection is the greatest aphrodisiac. Yeah. It's one of my favorite quotes.
And I just want to make a PSA that I am no longer that person. <laughs> so if you're interested, don't play the guy, the, the 1% because it's going to turn me off now. And I, I think you know. how I myself to this place is I've, um, I've solely worked on my self-worth because before I would attract guys that, that like um, Reno said, they, they stimulated my abandonment wounds and they made themselves appear more attractive than they actually were because I was using them to energetically heal things or not even heal. I was using them to energetically put band-aids on things that needed to be healed. So I've gone in and I've kind of done this self-worth work and before, you know, prior to doing the self-worth work, I was attracting men who did not align to my lifestyle values. And I was bringing them into my, this relationship and trying to change them. And that's the, one of the biggest learnings I've had from my, all my relationships is that I have to come at, well, first of all, I had to, I had to heal my, my low self-worth and then I had to come at relationships with values, not expectations leading the way. Because values are what I own about myself. I need this to feel happy. Whereas expectations are, I need you to do this to make me feel happy. And I think that's the biggest distinction that I've noticed for myself. And, um, and now where I'm at is I feel like I'm ready to start to align to somebody that's going to just, they're good, they're, I don't need to do a lot more healing in this attachment area because I'm, I've done it. So now I feel like I'm ready to start to attract to somebody who can show up and is just going to align to the values that I have and I'll align to the values that they have. And I won't, it won't need to feel forced. Um, I've also gotten really good at listening to my gut. My intuition is, is my best friend. It leads me and it's never wrong. So I, in my three previous long-term relationships, I got red flags and bad tummy feelings before the relationship. And I didn't listen. I was like, no, I'll try and change them and I'll make them who I need them to be for me. Right. And I was like trying, I was leading with my love fantasy. I love that term because it's like, I have this fantasy of how I need love to be and how I, I need someone to show up for me to feel good. And it's like, I'll just mold them into to doing this. And it's like, that will never work friends. That will never work. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was going to say those guys, I, I can relate to that as well. Like those guys were my favorite. The ones that I believed I could fix, right? It's like, oh, Project. I'm I'm going to be the one to change them. I'm going to be the one to make them emotionally available, heal their hearts, connect them to their, their body, to that part of them that is compassionate and has the capacity to love. And, and you know, that was the story, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for so long, I got confused between what was my activated anxious attachment style and what was love. Right. Because they were they were stimulating that part of me that felt like I needed to hustle for their affection. And then when I would get it, I would feel so good. But when they would take it away, I would feel wounded. Right. So it became this cat and mouse game of attachment. And um, I'm curious to know your guys' attachment styles, but I'll let Michael. Um, oh, I just wanted to add that what I've noticed is that people who like those people will be attracted to you and you will, will be attracted to them. So it takes a, a high level of awareness to kind of realize that that magnetic attraction is actually makes sense, I guess, energetically, but you need to like override it with your awareness. Yeah. And I think like givers are naturally attracted to takers. Takers are attracted to yeah. givers. And um, we have to be very careful, I think. And I love what you said, Matt, about values. Anyone who watches my videos knows that I talk a lot about values. Mm -hmm. And so that is 100% know your values and just put the expectations aside 
stick to the values, lead with those, and everything else will just fall into place. And your values, I think, evolve with time and awareness, you know, and, and that's one thing that I've, I've noticed, like what I once valued in, in dating and relationships and once pursued in dating and relationships has definitely evolved. Like I used to date and I would look for someone who would um, complete the parts of myself where I felt like inadequate, you know? So back in the day I was looking, I, I had this sort of fantasy that I would meet some guy and he would take care of me and that would be it, you know? Um, he'd be older and, you know, he, he would do well in business. He would have invested in real estate in some capacity. And, you know, I started chasing this idea of being like the trophy boy. That's totally what I wanted back then. And as time has gone on and I've developed this more, um, this like, you know, this beautiful relationship with myself and this um, higher standard and awareness and capacity for discernment, um, and I, I've started to question, I started to question my, my preferences, you know, why are these the things that I'm pursuing and why does it seem to not work out? What is the, what is the pattern that's happening here? And I started to, to notice like, oh, there's a reason why I'm pursuing these particular men. It's because I feel like this part of me is incomplete and I'm looking to complete it outside of myself instead of within myself. And so now um, I find my attachments are lesser and lesser when it comes to dating. And I'm more interested in sitting down with a person and getting to know them. And it's become a lot less about their physical appearance as well. I still value certain aspects and attributes but what I find is that um, it's a deeper feeling for me it's a deeper feeling you know um, and 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 also a sense of like where our values line up and where we complement each other as opposed to compensate you know for each other so that's been huge huge it's been so wild listening to you guys talk about dating and, and the processes that you've gone through only because it's so different from my own personal experience. I've never experienced the, um, I want the one that I can't have in the room syndrome. Like I, I did that with girls in high school and I did it because I knew they would never date me because I didn't want to date them. So I used it as like a protection of like, well, I don't want to tell people I'm gay. So I'm just going to tell them I have like a crush on this unrealistic expectation of this girl who would never date me. And then if they would, I would be like, oh, no, just kidding. Uh, I like this other person now. Like it was kind of that game. But coming into the dating world, I always I always went with my gut. And that's why I knew the moment I walked into the club and I saw my first ex, my first boyfriend, I literally turned to my friend Amanda at the time, who now just got married to her girlfriend that they started dating at the exact same time, which is well over a decade ago. Um, I looked at her and I was like, that's gonna be my first boyfriend. And she like laughed at me, she's like, what? How do you know? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just, I just know, like I see him, I feel him and like, boom, it, like for a year we ended up dating. Like it was wild. And for me, it wasn't about finding these things in other people it was like I could tell that like he brought this energy of just love and caringness which is something that I just naturally intuitively needed and wanted in my life and it was just like I just want to be with somebody who is like meets me in the middle it's like we're not becoming one it's like he's here I'm here and we just keep help each other vibrating up higher and higher and like building each other up more and that's the energy that I've always been drawn to when like 
I see somebody and I see their energy and I'm like, Ooh, I need to date you. And like, in regards to like physical appearance, I've been like all over the map. Like I used to think like I have a type, like, you know, a specific type, they look like this, this hair color, this, that, but like all the guys that I've dated recently, like one was like six foot seven, like 230 pound black guy who's beautiful. And then I go from him to like this super short, like five foot six skinny guy that's like so far removed from each other that it's just like, okay, I guess I don't actually have a type. And I really am starting to believe more in myself that like, it really is the energy that a person puts off for me. It really is, I look at you, I feel something and that there's a vibe there. And if they don't feel the vibe, I'm like, cool, they're not feeling the vibe. But more often than not, the things that actually like work out, the guys I actually end up dating, like there's a vibe, they feel the vibe, I feel the vibe. And I'm like, cool, let's just go with it. And it's like this fun game of like, if it's not gonna go somewhere, I'm okay with that now. But I always know that I'm gonna like go up a little bit higher. Like we're gonna help each other vibrationally move up this scale together. And we're gonna help each other, you know, just dive deeper into our own selves, whatever that looks like, or, or whatever reason we've been brought together on this journey, however long it lasts. It's always gonna be this like, we're we're helping each other move up. And that's how I've always looked at a relationship. And that's how I've always wanted a relationship that it's like, I, I don't have like a checklist per se, but I have like a, a concept or an idea that I want this person to, you know, have goals and dreams in their lives. I want them to have some sort of a drive and a desire because to me that's sexy, somebody who's going after something. Um, and it doesn't have to be like crazy going after, but they have things, pardon me, things that they want to achieve in their life. And to me, that's sexy. And that coming together would just be us like helping each other, like push each other further and like help each other get there. And like when one's low, the other one supports them so that we can keep moving ourselves up together. And I see so many dating relationship dynamics where it's like, that's not at all what they're going for. They're like, I want you to stay small so that I can feel better about myself. And I think in the gay realm, in the gay world, I see so much dating where it's like posturing. Everybody's posturing to look a certain way and to act a certain way and to be a certain way. And like, if you're like, you know, the a gay and you have like the best body and you look a certain way that like you could never date this guy over here even though in your own head in your own mind that guy might want to date the other guy who doesn't have a perfect body who is like a certain look but he knows his friends will judge him it's like who fucking cares what your friends are gonna say if you feel the energy and that's what you want why are you faking it and posturing just to look a certain way is that making you happy is that bringing you joy like that's not what it's about. And we've created this system that it's like, you have to play this game and I'm so over it and so tired of it. And that's why when people have seen the guys that I've been dating, they're like, wow, you really like jump all over the map. And it's like, it's because I don't give any fucks anymore. I'm not dating for you. I'm not dating for my friends. I'm dating for me and I'm dating for what makes me happy and what I know is gonna help my life move forward. And if I have friends who are judgmental, you're not gonna be my friends very long. <laughs> Mm -hmm. let's answer that question because i think that's a good question you said why do people do that why do they care so much about what other people think to the point where they're willing to sacrifice their authenticity 
for the image of another authenticity that they think of attachment (laughs) it's like the gays that date themselves you know they're like i want to date my exact identical twin who's like like me in every single way it's like is that going to challenge you to grow and to like blossom into you know an even more evolved person or somebody who's like pushing themselves to grow and and all that yeah what what do you think of the stab at answering your question matt say that again i'm gonna give you answering your question a stab based on what i've dealt with yeah i think we should all take a stab at it okay let's see if i can make this short and sweet when we can't give ourselves our own approval from within, like when you can't look in the mirror without anyone around you and say, I approve of you the way you are, I love you. We try to feel that by having other people give us the approval we cannot give ourselves. And in order for us to do that, we need to date the person, society, your mother, your best friend, whoever thinks that you should date. So whether that's the pretty boy, the trophy husband, whatever it is, we think that by getting the approval of a that that other person and then also our friends around us that is going to fill that void of approval that we're seeking but really no like as we all know no one is going to be able to do that for you only you can do that for yourself so that is my short answer on that one i like that yeah i do too what about you reno so my experience of this is that we have a god-sized hole slash laundry list of attachments that we um that we seek to fill externally. Um, And they make up what we perceive to be our identity. And when those come into, uh, when they're challenged, when um, when when they're being jeopardized, when they're at risk, we, we feel threatened. And so, because we don't recognize that we are not our attachments and that our attachments are not in fact our life force nor our identity uh we we become afraid we fear that we are going to die without them and so we hold to them tightly and what that looks like is um the sacrificing of our authenticity essentially you know i'm i'm willing to do whatever is necessary to be done to uh, sustain these attachments, which are not uh, real and true in any way, but in my mind, in my story, um, they are. And, and, and if that means dating someone uh, that, that will earn the uh, sort of love and, and, and recognition of these people who say represent my safety, you know, my security, um, my identity, then I'll do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could we, we could sort of overlay this on, on, on so many things, but we're talking about we're talking about dating specifically. here, And so that's kind of the way the way that I look at it and, and akin to what Michael was saying, I feel like um, what I've come to realize is that there's this process of unconditioning ourselves and allowing ourselves to experience the pain of releasing those attachments and challenging the notion that we are those things. And as we sit in that pain and we release it, we come to identify ourselves as something greater than those attachments. And then we're able to enter into dating and relationships um, from a place that is true and honest and genuine and whole, as opposed to incomplete and externally sourced. Mm -hmm. So that's my... That's my take. 
I would say it comes down to values because if you think about it, we date people who treat us the way we're treating ourselves. Yeah. They, we date people who mirror back to us what we need to be, what we need to see and feel in our experience of, of the world. And if we're a gym, gym buff and we're doing steroids and we're looking in the mirror and posting selfies, who do you think we're going to attract? We're going to attract people who, who offer us the experience of life of the same way that we're having it. And I think when it comes down to it, to peel it back even like further, it would be shame, right? Because shame is why we're engaging in these behaviors in the first place that make the dating world so shallow, because we feel like our outer shell needs to represent who we are more than the inner shell, because that's what, what we see. And I think when we're, that's why Brene Brown's work is so powerful for people, because it's, it simply allows us to look at the inner us and let go, let our shells go for a moment, right? And then we leave, you know, I watched her, 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 show, her show last night, Courage to, to Be. The one on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. And it was the second time I watched it and I needed it so oh bad, God. you guys. I needed it so bad. I'm going to recommend that everybody watch it. Oh, I already have. But it was so perfect. It was like, it was just basically giving me permission to exist in in the shell that I exist in, but also exist in the inner parts of the shell. And that's really what makes up who I am. And as I, as I mature, that's what I'm drawn to. Like, and don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be like, pretend that the shell doesn't matter because when I see a good looking guy, I'm like, wow. But if it's missing the inner meat and potatoes, I'm just not interested. You know what I mean? And I feel like that that's what, what makes it happen. So I'd say like the, uh, at the end of the day, it's shame. And that's why we do what we do. We want to take people from that journey of be, not being able to just, just to identify with these outer things, uh, then they can start to identify with the, the inner parts of who they are. Oh yeah. I resonate with that. Like definitely if like the, I can appreciate a beautiful outer shell, like of course everybody can appreciate. And also everybody's perceptions of beauty is different. So mm -hmm. I also appreciate that different people appreciate different things. Um, and like, you know, I love sometimes huskier big guys, sometimes I like smaller guys. It's all about like, okay, whatever. But then the deeper purpose of everything is like, it keeps coming back to these, you know, core values and core beliefs and core um, identities that we have all, you know, created for ourselves. But also the fact that so many people haven't done the work to figure out what the fuck those things are. <laughs> so it's like, you might have all these beliefs and these values that you've taken from other people that you're like, oh, this must be true because somebody else told me that it's true for me. But you've not sat down and gone through the work and been like, what are my actual core values? What are my actual core beliefs that are true to me, to the center of myself that I feel, even if they're different than what I've been told or even if they're different than what I thought I believed my whole life, I need to know what's true to me first. And once you get there, once you get to that space where you're like, okay, I've done this work. I know who I am now. That's when you can turn around and go, oh, well, I don't need you to be anything for me now. I am enough for me now. And I can now approach this dating world being like, cool, well, I'm, I'm good. Of course, there's always going to be work, but like, I at least know what those things are. I know what my core values are, what are gonna make me happy over my lifetime. And then you start to look at people differently. It's like, cool, yeah, you have a beautiful outer shell, but you're not gonna provide me with these things that are on my value list because yeah. these are the things that are gonna make me happy. And I don't need you to uh, be anything other than yourself to fulfill that. But if you've not done any of that work, the chances are we're not really going to resonate on a lot. So the energy is not going to be there, um, which is why Brene Brown 
her stuff just hits people so deeply because it's like triggering those parts of like, oh, maybe I should look at this. Like maybe I should look at myself for once because we're taught to not look at ourselves and we're taught to like, you know, do the outside world stuff, but it's the inner work that that's really going to be the biggest part that shifts you and moves you along. And that's why a lot of the coaching work that I do is the inner work, the inner stuff, because I know that that's the core of what's going to actually shift you. You can do all the outside stuff, set all the goals, do all the things you want to do. But if you don't work on the inside stuff, if you don't shift that, the outside stuff is going to go back to the same old, same old, because you've not addressed the actual problem. You've just put a bandaid on it. And that's what it comes down to with dating. I think it's just with dating, there's all these people going around with band-aids on themselves and they're trying to find other people with band-aids. Like, oh, your band-aid matches mine. Cool. And it's like, no, you got to get onto the inside stuff. So there are no band-aids. And then you look around and you find other people who don't have band-aids and you go, oh, cool. Those are my people. Those are my chances. And scars are okay. Scars are yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally fine. Band-aids. Um, I would like to add one more thing to what Callan just said, which I, of course, agree. And values are like the core of everything that, that I think most coaches teach. What I have um, clients do is first figure out, we go through a whole values exercise, but then on top of that, and this is, I think, sort of a really added a bonus, is I ask them, what do you bring to the table for a partner? And because so quick, so many times we're like, I want this, I want this, I want this. We know exactly the list of things we want from a partner. But so rarely do I find people who are able to say, oh, and here's the value that I bring to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Loyalty, communication, whatever that may be. I'm a great cook. It doesn't matter. Just list them all. Because when you get into that headspace of knowing what you bring to the table, you will naturally radiate at a high vibration because you realize that you have the value and you have worth. Um, and I think that has been a very uh, positive experience that some of my clients have used and I use that myself. So if I'm going on a date, instead of me worrying, is he going to be all these things? I remind myself, here's, here's what I'm bringing to the table as well. Not in a cocky, arrogant way, but in a very um, self-assured, worthy way. That way you're not trying to, like Callan said, put all these band-aids on the wounds. You know, you can say, hey, I'm not great at this, but I do know that I would make a great partner because... I'm loyal, I listen to you, I forgive easily, all of these other things, whatever they may be. So added bonus, know what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Something, something just clicked for me as you guys were speaking. Um, and like values aren't something that I, it's funny, values aren't necessarily something that I, that I naturally sort of consider or assess when I'm entering into um, relationships. Like for me, it's more of a, like an intuitive process. I just kind of feel people. And I'm sure somewhere in there, there's like something happening around a matching of values. But I had this image and it was really cool um, as, as our values being sort of a filter through which we are able to sort of discern like who we engage with and who we don't. And so, you know, if, if a person's values match up, um, then they sort of make their way through that through through that filter, so to speak. And if they don't, well, they're just not going to get through. And as time progresses, that that filter becomes finer and finer and finer and finer. So essentially, what's coming through is the purest of, of water, so to speak. You know, dirt dirt free, pebble free, so to speak. And that was sort of the image that came to me when you guys were speaking about values. And I've never really looked at it that way or thought of it thought of it that way but the more I do the work 
the greater my discernment, the more powerful my filter, and the more pure what is coming through, you know? Mm, I like that. That's beautiful. How much time do we point have left? That stands Sorry, Matt. What Sorry, was that? I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just looking at the time and I was like, oh, how much time do we have left? We all, all yeah, we have till 12, 13. So we're okay. good. Cool. We've got 10 minutes. Um, I just wanted to point something out that I noticed about human behavior and, and human psychology and the way that we work, because <clears throat> and I, I encourage everybody that's listening and I encourage you three to test this as well. When you're with somebody next time, ask them, what are you looking for in a partner? Guarantee you they will lead with what they don't want in a partner. And when we do that, we're sending mixed messages to the universe. We're telling the universe, this is what I don't want. So yeah, you might, you might get those things you don't want, but you need to take it to that next level. And the law of attraction works in the way that it gives you what you want, right? So I always, I always reframe that for people. What do you want? Make a list in, in your phone or make, make a, a soulmate wish list, whatever you want to have. That's really reaffirming what you do want. Because, it, and it feels so foreign when you think about it, but it's like all of our, we tend to lead with our hurt and our pain. And I was doing that for a long time with, from all my previous relationships, I was like, oh my God, I definitely don't want a guy who does drugs. I definitely don't want this. I definitely don't want that. But that's, it's just, it's, it's reinforcing your pain and your hurt and the victim mentality, right? So I feel like it's really important to, to state to the universe what you do want. That's think, a good call. I, I think... Yeah. It's true. I said I wanted Italian and I got it. It took a while. But I like I like the saying, you get you get what you are, not what you want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah well that, that's an Abraham quote. You get you get the vibes you're you actually are. You can't just kind of put lipstick on the pig. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that too. So so in addition to knowing what you want, I think you have to encompass that feeling yourself. So mm -hmm. if you want someone who's kind and generous, embody kindness and generosity yourself and that will come to you. Yeah. yeah. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. And I have also, I had this image come to me. There was like a tarot reading or something that was done for me years and years and years ago. And there was a woman and this card came up and it was this one where there was a person looking down at this one cup or this one thing, whatever it was. But then above in like the clouds kind of a thing, there was like a hand offering like three more, but this person was so focused on the one cup that they did and it wasn't full and the other ones were. And it was this metaphor for like, if you're just focusing on one thing and it's something you don't have, you're missing out on all the stuff you could be having because you're not open enough to it. Mm. So to what Matt was saying, if you, you know, are thinking about those possibilities and you're opening yourself to those things, then that, that the universe has the energy to bring it to you. Your vibe attracts your tribe and it's giving you those options. It's giving you that. But if you're just focusing on these things that you don't want, the universe is going to go, okay, well, the, you know, they clearly keep staying this over and over again. Let's give them more of what they don't want. And if you're, if you're constantly doing that, it's just this perpetual circle. Whereas when Matt said that, I was like, oh no, the first thing I would be like, oh, loves and cuddles and this and like all the fun stuff. And that's what I always end up finding. So it's like the proof is in the pudding, you know? Yeah. I find it's, it's not hard. I mean, I, I, I know this is a, not a popular opinion perhaps, but I love dating. I love meeting people. I love going on dates. Um, what, where I get stuck guys is once I catch the feels, once I catch those feels, whether it's been one date or 10, like once I have that feeling of, oh fuck, I like this guy, 
that's when sort of the vulnerability kicks in because I'm like, okay, now we're not just having fun getting to know each other anymore. Now I actually have some kind of emotional investment in you. And that's what tends to trip me up because I inevitably have to put myself out there and get kind of over my vulnerability and say, okay, I'd like to, you know, take it to the next level, whatever that may be, or, you know, I'd like to uh, make it official, whatever that means. But either way, that requires something of me that I find that's what trips me up. And I'm like, oh, wait, what if, you know, that's when all the fear comes in. What if he says no? And like, I don't mind getting rejected on the jump. Like I get rejected all the time on all the apps and whatever, that's fine. But once I like someone and then they reject me, that's, that's the stuff that really hurts more. And that's where I still have a hard time processing that. But yeah, for me, it's, it's having the, the being able to actually tell someone, listen, I like you and I don't want this to just be casual anymore. Um, mm. That's sort of where I get stuck if, if that happens. What do you do with it then? Because I'm, I'm sure so many people can relate to that. What do you do with that fear? Like how does it express itself? I have a suggestion. Go for it. So uh, the way I've always seen dealing with this or the way that I've always worked through dealing with this is that it's, you know, once you get the feels, you have this idea and you've put that like, you know, the expectation out there. And so the way I've combat that is having those things is good and it's fine, but to hold tightly to the expectation is in essence, kind of pushing it away. So it's like, you have to want it, but not need it. Yeah. So it's like wanting it's okay. Needing it is a different thing. And so if you want it, that's great. But then you have to not need it. So you have to be like, I'm okay with this, not turning out the way I want it to be. And when you go through that, or maybe you play those scenarios through your mind, you play out the worst case scenario. And it's like, okay, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still a beautiful person. I still have lots to offer to the world. This just wasn't the journey I was meant to go down with this person. If you go down that, then you can go, okay, you know, I can survive that. It makes that interaction easier because you're like, if this is meant to be, it's meant to be. I want this. I don't need this, but it would be great. And that's like, it's still so hard because it, it's like, because mm-hmm. uh, I've been through that where I'm like, uh, but it helps me kind of push through that like fear of that. Like, what if it's not reciprocated? It's because I'm holding on to that now needing as opposed to just like allowing and wanting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the attachment, right? <laughs> so it's good to desire. Desire is fine. Attachment is where we kind of get we get screwy with our vibrations. So it's kind of like desire with surrender and finding that beautiful balance in the middle. That's that's the hard part, right? (laughs) And it is a balance. Yes, we know. I was gonna say, um, so when I was young, I used to, I remember I have this vivid memory of, um, there was a thunderstorm rolling through town and it got windy and the sky was all sorts of, wild colors and um i used to be very very afraid very fearful of a natural disaster taking me out and so i have this image of me sitting in front of the television watching the the weather channel and anticipating this this natural disaster that was going to roll through the city and take us out never happened um and so the the reason i'm bringing this up is because as time has gone gone on, I've I've sort of gradually found myself on the other side of this this fear of a natural disaster taking me out every time a storm happens, and I've come to sort of recognize the nature of weather and that you know sometimes it's going to rain outside, and and if you know and 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that the sky is falling, right? Um, some people will go and grab an umbrella and put their rain boots on and they'll go out and play in it. Some people will sit and stare out the window. Some people will make it mean something about, um, you know, the, the, the universe doing something. We all have these stories about the weather, but what we understand is the nature in the nature of weather as it pertains to the nature of weather. It's like, it's, it's always changing. You know, we have cloudy moments and then we have sunny moments, you know, we, and, and the sky is always blue on the other side. And I think coming to sort of realize that and apply it to the nature of our feeling and our thought as it pertains to, let's say, dating, because that's what we're talking about, has really shifted things for me. So I become less and less consumed with making what I'm experiencing mean anything significant. It's like, I'm having these feelings, they're okay. I'm having these thoughts, they're okay. They don't, they mean whatever I decide they mean. But really, this is just sort of the nature of the human experience. Things happen, I think, I feel. And, and maybe I think that I am those thoughts or I am those feelings, but they're just kind of occurring. And that has helped me kind of s separate from them in a way and navigate this with a bit more ease, recognizing that it's, it's just like the weather. That's sort of the nature of the game. Right. Aww, that's yeah. a beautiful I think that's the perfect analogy to end on yeah. so with all of that everybody thank you so much for watching another gay men going deeper um, if you like this please 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 subscribe on YouTube if that's where you're watching um, if you're watching on Instagram give us a follow give us a like share it around with everybody share it on Twitter follow us on Twitter we're on all the social medias um, there's also links down below to all of these things and also the join the private Facebook group. If you're watching this and you're not part of our private Facebook group, please come and join us. We're an amazing group of gay men all sharing in this journey together. So thank you very much. Um, is there anything else that I missed? No, I think that's it. All right, we'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great one. Bye. Bye, everyone.